0: Welcome friends. We're glad that you're listening and watching our Lenten preaching series in the midst of these uncertain times around coronavirus. One of these things that this sickness has brought about is perspective. We begin to learn what's essential and what we ought to hold loosely. And so our format may be changing from day to day. It may be that we have a preacher come in Uh, and we record live uh, and archive that. It may be that they live stream or record a sermon from where they're located, honoring our present schedule, or it may be that we have a different kind of programming uh, brought to you. Uh, But regardless, we're looking at having something every single day during Lent. Even though uh, things are changing around us, ministry hasn't stopped And so what we think is absolutely essential is uh, what God has to say about uh, His Word. And we are reminded of this during our Lenten services here on Sundays uh, when we sing from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so, without further delay, will you join me in praying for what we are about to hear? Grant to us, Heavenly Father, that the words which we will hear this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living. To the honor and praise of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. It's
1: great to be back with you today. This Lenten preaching series and the homemade lunches that usually follow is such a well-oiled machine that it appears effortless, but having seen it firsthand for many years, I know how much effort and thought is put into hosting each of the guest preachers and how much work and planning is involved in preparing lunches for the crowds of people in the greater Birmingham community who attend the series every day. So even though we aren't able to enjoy those things together this year under our present circumstances, I want to thank everyone who is involved in any part of the planning and implementation of this series. Now our reading for today comes from Nehemiah chapter 8 beginning in the ninth verse. And Nehemiah who was the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe And the Levites who taught the people said to all the people this day is holy to the Lord your God do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the word of the law then he said to them go your way eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, yesterday we read this amazing account in scripture in which the Israelites returned from their long Babylonian exile, gathered together and asked Ezra, the priest and scribe, to read the book of the law. Chapter 8 begins, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, can you even imagine? I mean, it's an incredible thing, isn't it, to imagine an entire population acting as one to hear God's word. But this came about because the Spirit of the Lord stirred up the hearts of his people and they responded with a great hunger for his word. And so scripture says, all the people listened attentively as the book of the law was read and explained for about six hours. And this was not the kind of distracted listening we are prone to with our attention divided among several competing forces. This was real listening the kind of listening John Webster describes as listening which hurts, attentive straining after what is said, giving oneself wholly to the task of attending to the word of God. But how did the people respond to hearing the book of the law read aloud? Well, scripture tells us that the people bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord. And we would expect this, right? Hearing God's word given to his people because of his great love for them, because of his desire to be in relationship with them, because they belong to him. This was certainly cause for great praise and worship. But it was also cause for reflection and remorse. Verse 9 says, For all the people wept as they heard the word of the law. When they heard the word, when the word was explained verse by verse, the people of Israel responded by weeping. Now, this is the word of God doing its work. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Something happened to the hearts of the people as they heard God's word. God's word does something to us when the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Saint Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So when the people of God hear the book of the law read aloud to them after years of following after other gods, it hurts. It hurts to be corrected. It's hard to hear the truth of our sin, and the response of a penitent sinner is grief. This is what King David experiences in 2 Samuel when Nathan confronts him about his manipulation, adultery, and murder. We see it again in the Gospels. Peter weeps bitterly when he hears the cop crow and realizes he has denied Jesus just as Jesus predicted he would. As they listen to Ezra read, the blinders come off. The people are faced with the things they have done and the things they have left undone. They are faced with God's perfection and our imperfection. They are faced with God's steadfast love for his people despite our consistent rebellion against him these tears are an appropriate response to recognizing our sin it is appropriate for us to mourn our sin because our sin grieves god and separates us from him so what now are the people of israel doomed to spend the rest of their days despairing Will Ezra, the faithful priest and scribe, shake his head pityingly at the people and say, Well, you brought this on yourselves. Quite the contrary. In verse 9, Ezra and Nehemiah implore the people, Do not weep or mourn. This day is holy to the Lord your God. What a peculiar thing to say. Why would Ezra and Nehemiah say that? Are these men of faith encouraging the people not to take their sin seriously? Are they, like the false prophets of Jeremiah, proclaiming peace, peace, where there is no true peace? By no means. What Ezra and Nehemiah are expressing is the true gospel message. Our sin is very serious and separates us from God. But our grief over the conviction of our sin should never be more than our sense of God's redemption. Tim Keller said this beautifully. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. As believers in the one true God, our response to our sin should begin with sorrow. But in light of God's great love for us and his redemption of us through his son, we aren't meant to stay in that place of grieving We are called, while looking at the ugliness of our sin full in the face, to repent, to turn away from our sin, and surrender to our Heavenly Father, confident of his full forgiveness and acceptance. The Word of God convicts the believer, but it doesn't condemn us. Now, it was the law that drew the people to weep in acknowledgement of their sin, but it was the grace of God that led them to repentance. And here's something I don't want you to miss. That grace came first. Do you remember how it came to pass that Ezra read the book of the law to the people of Israel? Ezra didn't send a group text urging or coercing or requiring the Israelites to gather for this annual reading of God's law. That's not how it happened. The people asked Ezra to read it. That tells us that the Lord was working in the hearts of the people already. It was his spirit moving in and through the people that urged them to ask to hear his word and motivated them to listen for hours on end. Now, if I'm honest, sometimes I get a little twitchy and have trouble staying fully engaged when a church service starts to run past the one-hour mark. But the people of Israel were so convicted of their need to hear God's word afresh that they listened attentively for half a day. That's half a day they could have spent rebuilding their homes or figuring out how to persuade Aunt Harriet to come back from Babylon. But they spent it being filled by the word of the Lord. Baptist preacher and revival historian J. Edwin Orr defined revival as the spirit of God working through the word of God in the lives of the people of God. This same spirit prepares our hearts to hear, obey, and respond. Hearing God's word brought the people to tears. I know these tears. I've wept these tears. Some 20 years after I sat in the pews of the Advent Cathedral as a kindergartner, I met Jesus in that very room Now as a day school student, I'd certainly heard about Jesus and surrounded by many faithful people growing up, I knew about Jesus. But as a young adult, I heard the word of the Lord speak directly to me for the first time. And my only response, as horribly embarrassing as it was, was uncontrollable sobbing. But the sobs weren't so much a result of recognizing my sin. See, I think I'd been pretty well aware of my sin for a long time. The tears that I wept were over the unbelievable relief that came with learning that there was an answer for my sin and that the answer was the love of someone who knew me through and through and loved me anyway. Someone who loved me so much that he died to solve my sin problem. The name Nehemiah means Yahweh has compassion. God's compassion for his people always comes first. Without God's love and grace, the law leaves us mourning, weeping, and despairing in our sins instead because of this great gift of grace poured out for us by our lord ezra tells the people of israel to eat the fat and drink sweet wine in other words stop your crying and go celebrate this reminds me of the story of the prodigal in luke 15 when the wayward son returns rather than shunning or punishing or shaming him for his great disrespect and rebellion the father runs to greet him, welcomes him like royalty, and throws a huge party to celebrate that he has come home. This is why Ezra can say in verse 10, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the power of God made perfect in our weakness that St. Paul writes about in Second Corinthians. This is the power that Peter experienced when confronted by the risen Christ. In his weakness, Peter had abandoned and betrayed his Savior. But Peter was not abandoned by his Lord, who through the power of his complete and sufficient sacrifice, fully forgave and fully restored his disciple. Remember that this nationwide reading of God's word happened on the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets, remembering and celebrating the inauguration of humanity's role in God's story, was also the beginning of the 10 days of awe. During those 10 days, the penitent would reflect on their sins and humble themselves in preparation for the Day of Atonement the most solemn, holy day of all the Israelite feasts and festivals. This was the one day a year the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, the most sacred part of the temple, and make offerings that by God's grace would atone for the sins of all the people. Do you see the pattern in these festivals? The Feast of Trumpets, followed by the Ten Days of Awe, followed by the Day of Atonement, set an annual calendar reminder for the Israelites of the gulf between God's holiness and their humanity. This pattern led them from praise to penitence and from penitence to forgiveness. God gave the Israelites this pattern so we would see that the power of the law is that it points us to God's grace. Under the, covenant, under the old covenant, Israel could not experience this forgiveness fully. Year after year, the high priest offered blood sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. So the people found forgiveness, but their sins were not fully dealt with. The author of Hebrews explains, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But we have a better promise, secured through Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, who having once for all entered into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, secured an eternal redemption for those who believe in him it is because of this better promise that we do not stay in a place of weeping or mourning for our sins it is because of this better promise that we find our strength in the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ who has forgiven us and remembers our sins no more it is because of this better promise that we look forward to the day that the Lord will wipe away every tear and make all things new. Hearing God's word brought the people to tears. Do you know these tears? Have you wept these tears? When they come, don't fight them, surrender to them. There is a personal message from Jesus to you in those tears beloved child of god those tears are a gift from your heavenly father who promises to reprove and discipline those whom he loves to bring us into relationship with him the joy of the lord is found on the road to restoration which is open to all believers who repent and turn back to their heavenly father Beloved children of God, do not weep or mourn. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.